are tuned in to the beyond the streets podcast i am your host with the most steven aka first name steven aka street stalker this is just a collection of conversations i'm having with friends that i've made either through the car community or as an automotive photographer this is giving me a chance to get to know my friends more and make some new ones along the way again thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed today's conversation later how, how long do the how long do the classes you last for like hour two hours uh, i would say anywhere between like um an hour hour and a half i mean i've i've done longer ones where they've been maybe like three hours but it's that's that's a little long oh <laughs> uh, got you yeah like i understand like we got we got work in the morning or Sometimes people go in at midnight, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for me, I'm I'm chilling. I I have time. Um, I usually sleep at like six in the morning nowadays, anyway. So, chilling. What's your uh, What's your schedule like? Like, well, for I guess first, um, I guess we should do a little bit of introduction. So, I thank you first of all because I know I think we've been talking about this for a little bit, but thank you for doing the call. Cause I have been wanting to pick your brain for a while, even before making this little podcast, I find your stuff like pretty, pretty interesting. Just like the creative aspect of your photography and stuff. So thanks for coming on. But, um, yeah. If you Thank wanna... you for having me on here. Oh yeah. No, no problem. Um, if you want to introduce yourself, the state. All right. Um, Hello, my name is Junior Sang. Um, I, I guess I would say that I'm an automotive photographer. So it's it's kind of in the gray zone because like I was an automotive photographer like full time professionally. Um, I started shooting for like four or five years now, but my my career path has since shifted since like 2019, where now I want to do art as a career rather than photography. Mm. I, I think like I've, I've done it. Like I've, I've shot so much cars to the point where I, I kind of realized that maybe it's better to just keep it as a hobby and like, keep it as like something that's fun because I, I used to work so much that I got so tired of shooting cars. Every time I got home, I didn't even want to like touch pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. for real. So what, um, Cause you're, I think, if I can guess, you're about like what, twenty two, twenty three. Uh, I'm twenty one right now. I'm 21. almost twenty two in like a month or like half a month. Oh, okay. Um, so how long have you been shooting? I guess even before it was professionally, how long have you been like picking up a camera? When when did that start? Um. So, I feel like. When I got my first DSLR, I think I was about 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, my my friends had it before. Like my friend, he had a Canon 6D with a 50 millimeter f1.8 and a 2470 f2.8, which is crazy because like it, it was he, he wasn't even shooting for like a year and he already had that setup. And I think that was when we were like 
15, 14 or 15 around there. Mm. And um, ever since I used it, I was like, dude, I really want to get a camera. But, you know, like being a 15 year old, how, how the hell are you going to make a grant to, to afford a camera in the first place? Right. And I was just really obsessed with the fact that you can get like so much background blur when you like, I, yeah, I was just really obsessed with the background blur and how you can use manual focus compared to like your phone, how everything's in focus and it does all the focusing for you. So like, mm-hmm. I was really fascinated with that. And that's also what made me want to get a DSLR because it wasn't like anything a phone could do at the time. So I think at the time it was like, uh, I had an iPhone five, iPhone four, iPhone five. So like, I mean, looking back at it now, man, those, those phone cameras, they're pretty bad. <laughs> that was like a, that was not a good time for camera phones. Oh no. Yeah. Like, I mean, now shit, like I'm shooting on my iPhone, iPhone 10 mm-hmm. and like it gets some pretty damn good pictures versus like back then but um so i was like 16 when i started my job at mcdonald's and uh what is it i finally saved up enough to buy a camera which was like i only had like 400 bucks at the time so i bought myself a canon t5i with the kit lens and uh, I started shooting with that for a while, but then I wasn't really content with it because I realized like, why is it that all these photographers are getting all this like shallow depth of field, but I'm not, how, how, how are they doing it? And I can't. So then, you know, I started doing more research and then I realized like, if that's the type of picture that I want, then I got to get like prime lenses. So, um, got my first prime lens, 50 millimeter F 1.8 for a hundred bucks. And, uh, I started shooting, started shooting cars with it. I originally bought a camera actually to shoot my S 14, the post on Instagram. Mm. Um, it was purely just to document like the car and the, the build and all that. And then over time, I just got tired of shooting my own car. Cause it looked the same, like over the course of months because you know like i'm a broke high school student what else could i do with it and mcdonald's money yeah i know that mcdonald's money was barely enough for like it was barely enough to afford the camera and then i had to get gas and then tires and all that stuff yeah so um i got tired of shooting my own car because i had so many pictures of it pretty much at the same state that it was it's just at a different spot so I, I started shooting other people's cars and I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then like they would post, they would post my pictures that I took for them. And then I started getting like followers here and there. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like I'm shooting these pictures, these people of my pictures and I get publicity through it. Yeah. Uh, so then I thought like... <laughs> You know, at the time, starting out, you don't really get to know, especially in this type of field, you don't really get to know how much people charge. So <laughs> at the time, uh, I was, I was, I was like, um, hey, uh, I'll shoot your car. I'll, I'll charge you like, like two bucks per photo <laughs> and, and you can. Uh, per photo? 
two bucks per photo and you have to choose a minimum of 10. So like the funny part was that after the shoot, I would just go through the photos with them and then they would choose it. Yeah. And like looking back at it now, it was so dumb. Because like um, now when I look back at it as a photographer, you usually know what looks good and what doesn't. And then, you know, to people who don't normally shoot every day, when they look at these pictures they're like oh this one's sick oh this one's sick oh this one's sick oh my god they're all sick but like all stuck yeah they're all stuck but since you are your you you know how your own work is and you have your bar that you set right it's like uh i'm gonna i want to deliver the photos that i think are best rather than what you think is best because i mean you know not talking down the customer but like they pretty much think every picture is like amazing yeah i mean you're like pretty stoked to just have pictures of your you have a car you know of your own car so yeah so um started charging like yeah two dollars per photo and then (laughs) i think i'd get like 10 20 bucks per shoot which which was barely enough to cover gas but i mean it was it was fun um I was just starting out. I, it took me a while to realize what a polarizer was and how it was used. So, I mean, yeah, I was really just starting out. And, um, so you're yeah. Like, you're like mm-hmm. a year into it at this point? I would say I was like six, six months into it. I think after like seven or eight months, I picked up a Canon 5D Mark II. And I sold a T5i. And then that was like my first step in the full frame. Cause I mean, when I, when I wasn't shooting at the time, I was doing as much research as I could because I was not content with how my pictures were turning out whatsoever. Because like, um, when you first start to do photo editing, let's say in Adobe Lightroom, mm-hmm. you usually touch the top part of the editing, you know, like the exposure, contrast shadows highlights blacks whites and like that's pretty much it maybe add some clarity here or there and then like the most basic tone curve where you like you put where you like crush the blacks crush the blacks or you add that fade right and then it just looks like pretty basic there's no color adjustment or anything so you know i was i was really like new at the time and that's really that's pretty much all i knew and i i was not content with it whatsoever so anytime any downtime that i had when i wasn't shooting i was definitely trying to learn how to edit pictures and um try to get my pictures to look like the people that i really like the the photographers that i really like was like whoa these pictures are so sick how do i shoot like this Mm -hmm. so i did whatever i could to try to get it to that stage and um one of the things I realized is like, well, I still don't have that shallow depth of field because when I'm shooting with a crop sensor, especially the 51A, it's like, it's really not that shallow. So switch to 5D Mark II, 50F 1.4. And I was like, whoa, this is yeah. crazy. That's a game changer right there. Yeah, dude, full, full frame is like, full frame is so sick. But um so after getting after getting better with that, I think I started I started charging about like fifty dollars fifty dollars for full photo shoots now, mm. which I mean still isn't really that much. But at the same time, I couldn't really charge that much considering the stage I was at. Like, I mean, if I if I look in hindsight, like 
I probably wouldn't have charged at all. <laughs> Building up the the skills and like your portfolio at that time too. I mean, yeah, that's cool money at like you know sixteen, seventeen. That's not bad. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially yeah, it was. Few. It was great. See, and then um, uh, I I then transitioned to Fujifilm. Mm. And I think that was like my biggest period of growth. And at that same time, I got hit up by this car page called um, Rare Breed. Okay. And and like the owner, Brandon, Brandon Kwan, he asked me, he's like, yo, I really like your photos. I was wondering if you could, you know, shoot, shoot for us. Um, It's, it's going to be like, you know, you shoot cars and then we feature it. We make like a whole like, um, whole write up about it. Sorry. I I stuttered on random, um, consonants and shit, but, um, yeah, so I was like, yo, you know, I really I really like speed hunters at the time. I, I really wanted to be a speed hunter. And seeing this, I was like, this is kind of like speed hunters where shoot a car, then you know, there's like this whole write up about it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Yeah, dude, I'm so down. Like I'm so down to do this. So I started hitting up a lot of car owners, especially the, uh, Brandon, he told me what cars that he wanted to be shot also. Okay. So that allowed me to give a reason to shoot these people's cars because I was just shooting my friend's cars here and there or like whenever I went to a car meet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like I can go up to someone that has some type of following and be like, hey, I want to shoot your car for this kind of publication. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're like, oh yeah, dude, I'm so down. So I think my first feature was with Taylor Uji from Kuruma. Uh-huh. And ever since then, ever since then, that's how I got to be close with Taylor and his whole crew. And that's kind of what started it all too, which is pretty crazy, to be honest. That's like where you got your basically like upward trajectory as far as like automotive photography. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty much the start of it all because that was what wanted that would that motivated me to like get out the house and hit people up, do these shoots, and then like do all the editing within a specific time frame, and it just got me in the flow of things, and that's when I started to get a lot better over time. Mm. And it was also when I had my Fuji film, the XT one, which. It's like it's decent. That's what I got right there. Oh yes, that's what. It, yeah, dude, that that camera has a special place in my heart because, like, I thought to myself, "Damn, I'm gonna sacrifice going back to a crop sensor," but I heard like Fujifilm is like so good and everything like that. And uh, yeah, I just dumped the gun, bought bought the camera sold my 5d sold all my lenses and then bought all the fujifilm lenses and i was like holy crap this camera is crazy the colors are amazing it has way more dynamic range than the 5d2 in my opinion 
So it was just like, it was a really fun camera to use, especially with all the dials on top. It really made it feel like it was a film camera, even though I personally still have not consistently shot with a film camera. I probably like shot a couple pictures or like used the disposable film or whatever, but it's not like, it's not the same, you know? Not the same, but pretty, pretty close. I mean, especially with like the film simulation stuff that they have on on the X-T1 and I mean after the X-T1 it seems like the sensors got like just better and better and now they have like crazy sensors where you can emulate all kinds of stuff all kinds of different film stocks and yeah it's pretty crazy the newest Fujifilm the the X-T4 that one dude I have I have my eyes on that I need to save up for that one but yeah dude like with Fujifilm oh my god the classic chrome profile i was i was such a big fan of that i was all over that like no other no other camera company had their version of classic chrome no and that's what i use yeah it's just it's just such a good look like it's just it's it's just nice like um i tried to before buying the fujifilm i was trying to find ways to copy the look of classic chrome Mm -hmm. and after like trying so hard i I just couldn't and then i'm like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna buy the camera yeah and then i bought it and i was so happy i bought it and at first i was kind of like hesitant on the fact that it was crop sensor but fujifilm makes their camera lenses to compensate for it being crop sensor considering the fact that they don't have any full frame cameras so all their lenses besides the gfx stuff um all their lenses are made specifically for crop sensor Mm -hmm. so i was i wasn't as i wasn't as sad because like if you shoot 50 f1.8 on a crop sensor that's pretty much like an 85 f 3.2 or something like that because of like the the crop ratio so um fujifilm made the 56 f 1.2 and i was like 56 f 1.2 that's pretty much an 85 f 1.8 if you compare that to a full frame so i was like holy shit like fujifilm was like way ahead of its way ahead of its time now because although it's crop sensor their lenses compensate for the fact that it's crop sensor so you can still have a nice shallow depth of field mm-hmm. and i was like whoa like this is so crazy so i think like Fujifilm definitely helped me, helped me grow. Rare Breed helped me grow. And then the connections I had from it. Um, I also eventually, I think like, I, I think this is pretty much like my second year of shooting at this point. I got the opportunity to shoot for Kilogram, Daniel. Um, I don't I don't know if you've heard of him, but he, he's, he's part of, or... I guess he's he's still part of Speed Hunters. Um, I I really looked up to him at the time because of his Rocket Bunny FRS and then the BMW that he had, right. and that was so sick. And then he started his he started his new clothing brand, Secret, which has then now transformed into like a, a car shop slash studio. Yeah, and um, like yeah, designer stuff now. Yeah, dude, dude's crazy, but crazy. um. Let's see. I don't. I don't remember exactly how I got to talk to him. Oh yeah, actually. So I think it was at Spocom, Spocom twenty seventeen, twenty sixteen, something, something like that. Um, I shot his car and then I sent it to him, and he's like, "Yo, these photos are sick." 
And then I think I went to talk to him too because I posted, I transferred that picture from my camera to my phone, posted on my story and tagged him. And he's like, yo, these photos are sick. And I think I, I, I think I went to look for him and I was like, yo, hey, I'm that guy who shot that photo. And he's like, whoa, dude, this thing's so cool. Yeah, I love your style and stuff like that. Be cool, like eventually we can like work together. And I, I think that it started off with that and that's how I got to work with him, which helped me a lot because I also got to understand more of how business works mm. and behind the scenes of business and clothing. Although like, I think we only shot for about four months total mm-hmm. he lived all the way in thousand oaks and i lived all the way by pomona so i made to drive every weekend um yeah. out of my own time and stuff to go out and shoot with him and then like every once in a while i got paid here and there mm-hmm. and i think oh this was in 2017 because i just graduated high school oh okay so damn damn you're busting missions yeah <laughs> like broke college freshman going a thousand oaks and back like how do i even i don't even know how i had that money to be honest i think i was just draining my mcdonald's money from there and then uh, chasing the dream though man yeah i was i was really chasing it for sure um cool damn i didn't uh, realize you had started like so young because i remember seeing your so okay, so I remember seeing your stuff on Rare Breed. I remember seeing, like, I think I'd seen Rare Breed, and then you had the Stance Nation stuff, and then you shot. I don't know how like in the in your timeline. I'm jumping around, but there was like, man, this kid like shoots good because I think I'd seen you at like an event or something, and I was like, oh, he's like a kid. Like this dude is killing it, and I didn't I didn't even say what's up. Like I didn't want to like. I don't know. You know how it is. Like <laughs> people on social media, like and yeah, never want to like go up and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Like I'm a creeper ass dude on Instagram. What's up? You know, it's always weird. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Like it's, it's sometimes weird. Then you make like lifetime friends out of it. But in the beginning, it's always like a little bit weird. Yeah, especially like if they have like a weird name. So it's like, hey, um, so are you that guy poon slayer 69 is that you and they're like oh yeah that's me you know and it's like it's just weird just going up to them with like when they had that weird name yeah. so like oh, dude, um, people like interesting for like years calling me like hey what's up that's garage life that's garage life and i'm like no i have a name and that's why <laughs> that's why i changed my thing to first name steven because i was like man this username thing is weird i don't like getting called out like that yeah yeah that's why um i changed mine to junior saying <laughs> yeah like yeah you got to make that adult move that that first adult move is changing that handle you gotta be more professional Have more yeah that's professional sounding one definitely the first step into professionalism right there yeah. uh i think the first time i changed my name to that i was like i was like damn this is gonna be this is gonna be different because it's like I don't feel like a kid anymore now. I've made a step into being a grown-up. Yeah, I mean, because you're kind of like putting your name on front of like your product, essentially. Whatever it is that you do. I mean, now you do. It seems like you do a lot, like, but you're putting your name on it. So like now your name is getting the recognition. Yeah. But it's pretty, it's been pretty cool to see. I mean, now that I think about it, maybe I have been following you since like almost like the inception of your photography because i remember taylor's photos 
And then, yeah, I remember seeing that you were going to like events. I think you went to like NorCal and shot like, I don't know if it was like a Stance Nation show or a Weekfest show. I went to Stance Nation NorCal, I think in 2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like, damn, now you're shooting for Larry Chen. Like, it's crazy. And then that's when I really saw like you were like doing, it, it went from like event coverage to, or it went from like shooting your homies' cars, event coverage, which is like always cool to see. I think especially like maybe that time, like blogging was like everything. Like everyone had like their site, their features, like you said, like, you know, their speed hunters. Like that's like, you know, speed hunters is up top. I feel like yeah. everyone, everyone was trying to like, hey, how can we like get up there, you know, especially as far as like having like articles or like just the quality of the content. Like everyone was trying to reach that like speed hunters or like that stance nation level as far as like getting your stuff published and like contributing to like a site. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, this dude is killing it. And then you went, you did work with Larry Chen and I was like, oh shit, like you, the way you shoot mixed with motorsport photography, like that's actually has to do with like, um, like actual racing like that's when i saw like your style get like crazy like with like super slow shutter speeds and panning shots and like i don't know man everything seems super crispy and i know you guys are like shooting like a million photos for any given day oh yeah yeah that was that was definitely an interesting time um let's how see that? that i got i got questions about that how was that first of all did you enjoy it I personally like really enjoyed it. Like I, I look back at it now and, and I think like, wow, like that was really fun, but definitely during the time, like it was really hard work. It was a lot of time spent away from home, spent away from friends and family. Um, a lot of the car events were in the summer. So it was really hot, especially when I had to go to like New Jersey or Texas or like, um, Georgia and it was just so humid and hot and you can't wear shorts on the track has to be pants so it was like even hotter oh man and then all I had was like black clothing so it was even hotter yeah it was up over there dude yeah it was it was definitely crazy um I think I started I started working for him at the beginning of 2018 but I talked to him I think November 2017 so this was also like you know I was fresh fresh into college still on my first quarter mm -hmm. and I was going to school for mechanical engineering and um which was crazy because I went to mechanical engine I, I I did mechanical engineering for high school since freshman year also so I, I spent like what four four years going down the pathway of engineering and then finally like once i got into um qc irvine for mechanical engineering uh, i realized i was like man i don't want to do this i why did i choose engineering this is definitely not my path whatsoever yeah, yeah it, it made me feel weird because i was like dude i just spent like four years going through this pathway thinking it was cool and then now i hate it what did um what did you what did you like why did you choose that what did you think you were gonna do or what did you want to do when you chose that See, so you know, growing growing up Asian, you usually have like your parents saying like, "Oh, you know, you want, I want you to grow up to be a doctor, or a lawyer, you know, make a lot of money, whatever." Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I thought, well, I like cars and I want to work around race cars. So what job makes a lot of money and works around race cars? And then I was thinking, oh, mechanical engineer. I, I guess that's the field that I would go down in, which um, I think if you're a mechanical engineer, you're starting, you're starting pays like 60 grand. And then once you get to like a senior level, I think that's after like five, five years, uh, you make like a hundred, a hundred plus. Shit. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's a lot of money. I, I thought about, I thought about doing that because I was like, well, this is the only thing that's like car related that I could do. That makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that when you're doing engineering, I think most of it is that you're doing the design work and then you're, you're behind the computer most of the time. Mm. doing a whole ton of math or do a lot of computer simulations. Mm. Um, if you work in a big company, then usually like work on a small part and a bunch of other engineers work on small parts, which then they combine it to make it like, so it all works unless you're like the project manager or something. I think, I think that's how it was going to be. So I, I didn't really find too much joy into that. I thought I was going to be more like hands-on. And then I, I didn't realize I was like, oh, if I wanted to be hands-on, I'd have to be like a fabricator or something. Yeah, research and development. Yeah, because um, I, I always thought about like working at like a high-performance shop or something like that. Mm. Um, but also, I think I realized like they don't, they don't make too much either. So it, it turned me away from that. And, um, yeah, so did mechanical engineering. I was good at math, but I hated math. And all my teachers, every time I told them I wanted to do engineering, they always said, oh, yeah, that's a lot of math. You're just doing math every day. And I didn't really listen to them. You know, me being a like a 17-year-old, I was like, whatever, I can do it. Yeah. And then got into UCI, did way more crazier math, and then, all in all my other classes and my STEM classes, it was just math, math, math. And I, I hated it. And I was like, wow, like this is actually what, what I'm going to be doing my whole life. <laughs> You're like, man, they really weren't playing math every day. Yeah. I was, but I, I was in this crisis. Cause I was like, well, if I don't like doing this, what am I, what else am I going to do? Like, how, how do I make this like salary again? And then I thought about doing business, which is usually what everyone goes to school for. And it's like, that that area is like so saturated the irvine area or where you're where you're at um in uc in uc irvine the business like the the business schools were like so saturated the business Uh, colleges yeah 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 so it was like kind of hard to get in um and then luckily at the time one of my friends cameron he invited me out to go to a Hoonigan toy drive. So I guess I was like, yeah, early December. Mm-hmm. I went to the Hoonigan toy drive and I was just like shooting pictures here and there. And then all of a sudden Larry Chen pulls up to the place and I was like, wait, is that Larry? I go on his, well, I go on my phone, check Instagram, check, scroll through his profile, like just creeping through it. And then yeah. I see, Oh, that's his Z wait, he really is here. And I'm trying to find pictures to see what he looks like and stuff. And then like, I, I think I found him. So I was like, you know, 
I'll talk to him, but not right now because there's other people talking to him. So I get some pictures of his car and then I send it straight to my phone with a Wi-Fi transfer. And then I do some editing on VSTO. And then I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty nice. Now I have something to talk about when I go up to him. Yeah. So I walk up to him and I'm like, hey, are you Larry Chen? He's like, yeah, what's up? And then I'm like, oh, I got some pictures of your car that I took. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you want it, but like here. And then I passed him my phone. He's like, wait, you took these? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you took these with your phone? And I was like, no, no. I, I transferred it from my camera to my phone. He's like, no way. Yo, this is super sick. So I guess he was really impressed by like the, the speed of delivery on that. Yeah. And we just started talking about photography and more about the career than the actual aspect of photography because I wanted to ask him like what's it like being a professional photographer and stuff like that so um yeah like after that day I eventually like just talked to him a little bit more about photography and then sometimes I'd ask him like hey what show are you going to what's the next event you're going to I want to like come and just like say hi or whatever and um he he showed me Radwood. Um, Radwood was like a super cool vintage European type car show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there, but our, the times didn't really like match up. He was there in the morning and I went there in the afternoon. So I didn't really see each other, but we just like stayed in contact here and there. And then um, eventually I asked, hey, um, I was wondering if I could feature your car on Rare Breed. And I was like, oh, dude, it's so glad that I'm in this group so I can actually have a reason to shoot his car. And, he'll, you know, he might be okay with it. And he said, um, yeah, actually, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I'm actually having a private track day with me and my friends on this day. So, I mean, if you can make it, yeah, that'd be cool. We could shoot the car on the track. And it was at Grange. And I was like, Dude, say less, you know, um, it, it was like on a Thursday and I had, I had four classes that day and I was like, man, do I go to these classes or do I ditch it and go shoot Larry's car? And I, I was thinking about it for a while. I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go to the track and shoot Larry's car. That's a ditch day. Yeah, it was, it was a straight up ditch day. I, uh, I was already failing in all those classes anyways. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Like, what's the point of me staying? It was it was kind of hard to tell my mom like, hey mom, uh, I'm not going to class this day. I'm gonna go to the track. And she's like, what the hell? Why are you trying to go to the track? And I'm like, I'm I'm gonna spend a day with this really famous photographer. And she's like, oh, okay, just don't fail school. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I um I pulled up to the track. Mom. <laughs> yeah, I pulled up to the track and. Uh, before well i pulled up around like noon so it was a good amount of time before golden hour i think it was around like five so they were on the track and then it was just like him and like a couple of his friends and they're like well i mean since you're here do you want to go on the track and stuff and i was like what and they're like yeah like you know just driving shit and i was like yo no way so at at the time as we were chilling i was also like uh, drifting my S14 on Grange with my only set of tires because I had no idea that I was going to be able to go on the track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was trying to like conserve 
my tires because I still had to make it back to UC Irvine to go to school and then like go back home on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, to get back somehow. Yeah. But, uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I ended up driving home on wires, <laughs> which I mean, you know, probably worth it. Yeah, man. Seems so, like yeah, I, I, that story too. I got to shoot his car in the sunset and then like, that was probably still one of my most favorite shoots because everything about that shoot was just, was just so right. Like, you know, there's, I, I don't know if you ever have this feeling where when you go on a photo shoot and something goes wrong, whether you get kicked out by security or like it starts raining or the sunset's not as cool or like, you know, like just something goes wrong. But like something. this time, this time I was like, wow, everything is actually going right. And, um, got home did the pictures, sent it to him, and he really liked that. He was like, oh, wow, like, these are really cool. And I was like, thank you. And um, eventually he asked if I'd be down to come and help him out on some work that he needed to be done. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, why not? And it was the same time where I was also shooting for Kilogram. So it was kind of like a little bit of conflict because I told him that I was going to be like shooting for him. But then all of a sudden here's Larry with the opportunity. They're both part of speed hunters though. So I guess it might be cool, but um, I eventually had to stop shooting for Daniel so I can spend more time working for Larry. And I think once January hit, he asked if I wanted to be like, um, if I wanted to help him out as a third shooter, and I was like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, of course I'm going to do it, you know, yeah. but oh, it was, it was full time. So I had to, I had to drop out of school and everything. I had to um, tell them like, yeah, uh, I'm going to move out of my dorm. I'm not going to live in this dorm anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm going to put like a termination, like a hold on my, on my um, classes and stuff. Cause I'm not going to be going to school for spring. <laughs> So, um, he, yeah, he told me like, uh, yeah, like definitely I'd have you work for me for like the year and then we'll see how you like it. And, you know, if you want to stay, then like, we can talk, we can talk about it from there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. Cause, um, for UCI, if I want to have a, like a pause on my school and then mm -hmm. come back, I could pause it for about a year. So I was like, well, that's perfect timing. So, yeah, I, that's how I started working with him. It's crazy. Man, damn, that's a pretty cool, like, um, what do you call that? I mean, it's kind of like an origin story. Not definitely at the beginning, but, I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, you have that, like, under your belt, you know? Yeah. Right. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the photos that you took. I went on the website, and these are badass. Yeah, these are nice, man. Yeah, you can't beat like golden hour at Grange. Yeah, dude. It was just it's perfect. That's cool, dude. I mean and so you did did you go back after the year? Um, so I think it was about September of that year. I started getting burnt out because we were shooting so many events. I, I would rarely ever get to hang out with my friends and um 
you know, still being young, I kind of need that like social time, but I didn't have that social time. It was just basically me seeing Larry and his assistant like every day. And <laughs> yeah, I, ba- I basically go home, wake up, go see Larry, do work, then go back home, sleep, wake up, go see Larry, do work. So I saw Larry every day. And um, yeah, it, it eventually got tiring because of the amount of work that we had to do. And I guess maybe I thought like, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for this, cut out for this specific career mm. because I do enjoy shooting cars, but it was just so much of it that I got tired of it. You got burned out. I got burnt out for sure. But the cool part was that like, I was still learning so much about photography. It got to the point where sometimes like with certain photo shoots, you couldn't tell whether it was my picture or his picture because mm-hmm. I, since I would do the photo editing for him and me and his assistant, um, I basically stared at their photos all day. I would edit like thousands of photos and stuff like that. And um, it eventually transformed me into how I shoot today. And it's like kind of similar to his style because that's all I stared at every time I worked. So like, yeah, it, it was, sense. yeah, it was like 70% working behind the computer and 30% shooting. But when we did go out shooting, it was fun. The shooting part was fun. The working behind the computer part was very tiring. Mm. You know, you're staring at a screen for like 10 hours a day, just editing photos. Shit. So how does, I mean, I didn't, like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know that he had assistance or anything like that until I found out that you shot for him. So you guys are all shooting at an event or a feature. I'm assuming more at events because, you know, there's more of you to, to get more coverage. Mm-hmm. And you guys all get together, like, and edit just photos together? Or did you do all the editing? Let's see. So the the process would be that, let's say we shoot Formula Drift. Um, at the beginning of the day, we'd all go out and shoot. And I would generally, like, walk around the, the pits, shooting the drivers, the crew, doing their thing. And then... I would also go shoot on the track once I feel like I have enough that I need for that day. Mm-hmm. And then um, about the second half of the day, I would collect all the memory cards from Lewis and Larry. And um, I'd go back to the the office that they had at From Madrid. And I would load up all the pictures, sort through them, choosing like which ones are good, which ones are bad. And then... I would start editing them. And then about like every hour, hour and a half or so, I'd walk back out with fresh memory cards, swap it with Larry and swap it with Lewis. And then I'd walk back to the office and then load those in also and then do editing. And I would just do that like throughout the day because um, if they're out shooting and I'm doing the photo editing, we should have the photos that we need to deliver done by the end of the day which is usually around like 10 to 10 o'clock at night to midnight around there. Sure. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely tough, especially cause we're also working on a laptop. So a laptop isn't as fast as a desktop, even though he had like top of the line Dell laptop 
but there is still sometimes where it would like bog up considering it was handling a, it was handling a catalog with like 50,000 photos on it yeah yeah so first day would be like that second day same third day same also uh every once in a while if i need to if they need extra hands then i'll go out and shoot and then i'll come back and then do some more photo editing and sounds crazy that was usually the process for all the formula drift events mm-hmm. um some of the other events we would all just shoot and then we come back and then lewis does a photo edit photo editing or i do the photo editing and then larry stays out and shoots so larry he edits his photos i would probably say at the time of me working with him i'd probably say he edits his photos like 30% of the time and he shoots about 70% of the time. Usually it's me doing the photo editing. But he does really simple edits too. It's nothing crazy. He doesn't touch tone curve or anything. It's just a top part where it's exposure, contrast, highlight shadows, stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like is it was it well you're you kind of answered it, but I'm assuming that it was pretty good like settings from either like all you guys or him were done in camera and just touching up yeah pretty much because the style that he liked was to keep it like natural Mm. kind of like shadow camera but a little bit better more touched up so everything was pretty simple also because we shoot so much and the clients the clients need a quick turnaround time Mm. all we can really touch is the top part because like let's say i load up a preset with like everything adjusted, color, tone curve, whatever. Uh, there's got to be like at least twenty percent of those pictures that need more touch up, that need more touching up than the others, and it just kind of creates like a, it, it adds more time. And um, there's also a lot of times where you send the pictures to, to the client, and the client's like, "Oh, um, I'm not." too sure like how i feel about this picture because the color of the car doesn't actually match how it looks in real life Mm. yeah so it's best to keep it as natural as possible that makes sense yeah gotta keep it it realistic yeah yeah it's like so for me i really liked doing all tone curves color adjustments you know like more of the creative aspect of it in terms of editing, but Larry liked yeah. natural. So um, I did all my pictures and his pictures naturally. And then whatever I wanted to post on Instagram, then I would do my own style on it and then post on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So you had like a separate life. <laughs> yeah. A separate editing life. Yeah. Cause I mean, even, I mean, I'm just going through, I haven't been on their website in forever, but this rare breed, like even let's see this is 2018 and i'm looking at raul's 1987 skyline and it seems pretty natural like even at this time and it's just good looking photos like you got like i'm assuming this is with shot with the fuji yeah yeah i can yeah i can see that cuz yeah this um I'm forgetting what it's called. The yeah, I'm totally having a brain fart. Yeah, 
when it's like the whole picture is evenly exposed. What we were taught, we said it earlier. Mm, like high dynamic range. Yeah, the dynamic range, like on these photos, is like great. Like you know, it's it's a day. It's probably like you know before golden hour. You could still make out the clouds and the shadows. Like it's per like perfect shots, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I kept the Fuji film as my secondary camera. Usually, like when I just wanted to hang out with my friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I was working with Larry, I ended up picking up a five D Mark Four when I started mm-hmm. with um, a one thirty five f two seventy two hundred f two point eight and a Sigma thirty five f one point four, and that was pretty much my setup. Um, and then at the time too, it that camera was really good, but it wasn't enough because there's since since I like to shoot prime, Larry likes to shoot prime, Lewis likes to shoot prime. You can't just like take a picture and then swap lenses and take another picture right away. You know, like how do you counteract that? The 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 solution is to have two cameras with different lenses on it. Mm. So I would have a 5D4 with a 35 on my left shoulder and then a 5D3 with the 135 or 7200 on my right shoulder. Oh, the 5D4 had the lens that I would use the most because overall that camera was so much better than the 5D3. And the 5D3 was my secondary shooter. It was his 5D3, not mine. So um, that's what I would shoot with. The Fuji film was used on the side, like not professionally, but just for fun. Yeah. Larry shot with a 1DX Mark II, two of them, I think. That thing is crazy. And Lewis shot with two 1DX Mark Ones. And yeah, dude. Canon gang. It, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm over here walking around the track with like two cameras to my side. And then Larry, he's got like two cameras plus a third camera in his camera bag with like a fucking huge ass 600 millimeter, 400 millimeter just hanging on his back with a giant monopod on it and stuff. Like, oh my God, it was, it was crazy. It was cool, but it was crazy. It was overkill, but it actually wasn't overkill. It felt overkill. I mean, oh my God, my back took such a toll over time. When when I laid down to go to sleep every night, I'm like, oh, this is this is nice. <laughs> between like between like carrying all the gear and then just being on your feet all day, I can imagine. Oh yeah, it's definitely I mean, works out. I, I I say I can imagine, but like fuck, I've been there. Like that shit is exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. Like, track days, I'm like, I want to get home, and I'm like, I want to edit, and as soon as I get home, like I'm tired as shit, dude. I don't want to do nothing. I want to. <laughs> yeah TV and knock out right away and like tracks tracks are huge you know like yeah. oh i remember shooting grid life road atlanta that <laughs> i have to go throughout the whole track getting different angles and stuff just shooting like that's that's how motorsport photography is it's like you you walk to a certain turn and then like you shoot the pictures you need at this angle and you walk to a different turn and you shoot the pictures you need at this angle and you walk through a different turn and do the same thing. But luckily all the cars are like on there for hours because you're doing tons of laps or whatever. So it gives you enough time to get 
all the pictures you need. Yeah. Um, it's usually like one type of shot per lap. And then after that lap, go to the next spot, shoot again. Maybe there's like two specific type of shots you need at that spot. So you shoot, wait for the next lap, shoot again, and then you walk to the next spot. And I mean, tracks are huge. So walking with all that gear and then in the heat, in the summer heat, and, you know, dude, your body definitely takes a toll. Definitely. Been there. And now I'm like, as much as like that, as tiring as that is, fuck, I miss that. <laughs> I feel like I haven't been to like a track event like that in a while. Oh, like, yeah, I feel you're, it. You're like talking about it and I'm having like throwbacks. Like, and then Same. You, you like make like routes. Like you like keep going like in circles. You, you do the media room then you go back out. You know, mm-hmm. like, that shit's fun, dude. It's definitely fun. Like it's, it's fun if you fun just if you, like if you enjoy it too. Yeah, that's what you want to do, and you're in that moment. Like it's like the best time. Plus, that's like you made it. Like you're, you know, you're shooting at an event that you got asked to shoot at, or like you know, in your case, you're like working for like I I would like to think like one of the biggest names in like professional motorsport photography. Like you're not just like, hey, I'm junior shooting like just for my own blog. You're like, no, nah, I'm shooting like for Larry Chen, you know? Yeah, that was that was the craziest part because when we shot from the drift, we, we were, Larry Chen worked for FD at the time too. So we were basically staff. So I got to go to places where other photographers couldn't go simply because I, I was staff. And then, um, yeah, that goes as, that that is the same for a couple of other events too, where he's basically staff. So it gives yeah. me and Luke, um, his assistant like a lot of privilege to be able to do whatever we want. Damn, you didn't have to flex like that, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool though, man, because you have like you know a different a different point of view than you know most people. Like if you're gonna see, there's a big event and people are doing the same as you where they're transferring to their phone or tra- editing on their laptop same day. Like you can see 20 of the same shot, same angle, but then you might come out with like some sneak peek exclusive type of shot or a type of angle or yeah, that'll set you apart. That's pretty dope. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, That was, those are definitely some really good times. I think it was, until September, where I, I was thinking about it, like, man, I haven't been too happy lately. I've been kind of kind of depressed, you know, like, mm. just, just not in the mood to work. I've been showing up to work late, like, 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late. Um, so I think I was on the Explore page on Instagram, and I saw a bunch of dig- digital art and stuff, and, you know, press like on a couple and like they start showing up more and more and then i'm like oh dude like these are sick like what the heck like oh it'd be so cool if i could do stuff like this but i don't know how to draw you know like i haven't drawn since like sixth grade so there's no way i could do this and um i just started seeing more and more art and i was just like dude this is so sick and it's that's pretty much how my motivation for photography started too was like i saw these pictures and i'm like man seeing these cool pictures makes me want to shoot cool pictures so 
you know, seeing all this art, I'm like, yo, seeing all this cool art, I want to make this cool art. And uh, I ended up buying an iPad to to use for a drawing tablet. Mm. And I wasn't like telling anyone about this for a while besides my friends. Mm. And um, let's see, I think it was around the last event, around the last, like I think it was Texas. That's when I, I I talked to Larry, like, you know, I, I don't know if I want to continue doing this anymore. Like, I'll definitely try to stick it out to the end of the year. But I, I think, like, I want to move my focus towards something else, maybe go back to school for business or whatever. Mm. And, like, you know, eventually we talked it out and then um, everything was pretty much on good terms. And I think in December I left. Um See, SEMA was in November, I think. So I we were at SEMA, which was also cool because we were staffed there too, I think. Yeah, we were staffed, so it felt crazy. Um, I saw the owner of Stance Nation's GS there at the Toyota Tread Pass. Mm. And uh, I shot his car and then I sent it to him. And he's like, wow, these shots are cool, you know? Uh, I've spoken to him a couple times before like the first time I went up to Stance Nation I think in 2017 2018 Mm. oh it was it was 2018 I think March of 2018 yeah Um, I started talking to him like here and there and then you know there was like a big gap between from like March all the way to November to where I shot his car his GS at the Toyota Tread Park tread pass he wasn't in the area at the time i think he just had a trailer there or something and um he said he really liked the pictures he really digged my style and i was like oh thank you like you know if you ever need help with any photos or anything just let me know you know i can Mm -hmm. i can shoot some stuff for you and he's like oh yeah that'd be cool and then like a couple hours later we we didn't talk and a couple hours later he, he hit me up saying like would you be down to shoot for Stance Nation? And I was like, no fucking way, dude. No way. Like, I when I worked for Larry, I gotta have my feature in Speed Hunters, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was so stoked on that because I, I looked up the Speed Hunters when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and like when I was a freshman in high school, and then I also looked up the Stance Nation when I was a freshman in high school, and then all of a sudden, like, I was like, dude, there's no way, like, what the hell? So. Definitely took the offer to join Stance Nation once I left working for Larry Chen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sick, dude. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I was like, dude, what, what the hell? Like, I think about it now. I'm just like, wow. It just kind of like came full circle in a way. Yeah, man. I mean, you're definitely like checking big boxes, and it seems like a pretty fast rate. I mean, not like a fast rate because you were like obviously during like what I would say is a short amount of time, especially for like your age and the amount of time you had been shooting. Like you're getting like you're just getting better and better, it seemed. And you're just getting more exposure, which is always great, like for your brand, like as a photographer. Yeah. And, I mean, you were getting recognition by like some of what is to be considered like some of the best. I don't know, like, I don't know, what do you call them? Like, best outlets, media outlets, I would say. Outlet, yeah. Yeah, like, that's dope. 
So I think I think then that was like three three years of shooting at that point. But definitely when I worked when I was working for LA, I, I probably like I I just learned so much. Like I I learned so much. I advanced so much. I was basically a sponge that whole year, just absorbing all this extra knowledge. Just like from photo editing to shooting the pictures to how business works too because he taught me a good thing he taught me a good amount of things in terms of business mm-hmm. and um it definitely transformed me into like a hard worker because you know I was always in this time crunch always having to work quick so like even to this day it has helped me a lot in terms of how I work. Mm. So like, I can definitely like thank Larry for all that. Cause that was just, it was just crazy. I mean, me, me and him, we haven't really talked in about like since I left. So it was uh, fucking two years ago. Mm. Um, but you know, he's been busy doing his own thing too. And I've just, you know, I, I, I was, a shooter for him but now i'm still currently just like a student so yeah um haven't really contacted him that much really but yeah like in those two years like you've done like you've basically soaked up all the game yeah as far as as far as what a professional like motorsports photographer and then you've made it like into your own because now i see you at like drift events you started your Cause you have, it's you and, and a couple buddies that do misunderstood, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it seems like you guys, like you took like road trip. I know you guys took like a dope ass road trip, like along the coast, like up, up North, you know, up this way and fucking doing events. You were driving, you were drifting that S14 for a bit. <laughs> yeah. On bags too. Been, yeah, man. Like you just been living it up. Like, fucking having the best time as as much of a you know while you have the opportunity you know like that's always yeah that's a big positive um real quick i don't know if it's just me i think i might be hearing some um static on your end um it's me probably it usually happens around this time (laughs) it just sounds like shit i don't know what happens is there like a way to fix it or you just we just keep going? Um I usually don't talk as much at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, for sure. Um so if it sounds bad, I just talk a little bit slower because I know it echoes. Uh-huh. But I wanna hear I'll let you talk right now. So basically the question is um Shit, I had a I had a road down somewhere. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to know about your 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 like graphic, graphic design, design now. Because now it seems like that's what you're focusing more on. So like, how did that? Like you said you basically basically were scrolling, were scrolling on, on the explore page. page. But how did that change change your whole from mechanical engineer to, to I'm gonna stop going to school to pursuing graphic design now? Oh yeah, um, dude, that was that was it was definitely interesting because no way in hell would I ever think I would end up at this like in this spot right now. Um, so 
well, after I left uh, working for Larry, it was actually January. I planned to do a road trip to do a Stance Nation feature for Austin's RX-7. So that's pretty much why I gathered, like, I gathered me and my friends to go up there because I thought maybe we could get some cool content out of it. And at the time, too, was also when I was starting out trying. Uh, I was pretty much waiting for spring semester to start, which was in February. So then I could start taking drawing classes. So, like, during that time, January, after that trip, I had a bunch of photos to edit i didn't really start um drawing until like mid-january uh and then like the start of february and um i tried some drawing here and there and it was really hard considering like i haven't really drawn anything in like the longest time um i i started off by tracing tracing pictures i wouldn't really post them or anything because i mean that's not really something you post Mm -hmm. but my thought process was like you know um the fastest way to learn is to copy someone because once you can copy them then like you can go ahead and try to copy someone else and copy copy the next person and once you can copy like the people that you like you can eventually form your own type of style based off of what you like from other from other um creatives out there Mm -hmm. so I, I did the same thing with art where I just like kind of traced the pictures I like to get the, to get me like used to drawing in the first place. And then, um, started my first drawing class, which was drawing fundamentals. And that was, that was really interesting because it taught me how to draw based off of what I saw. Mm. Uh, like taught me like perspective, um, where things are in relation to other things, scale, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I still wasn't able to draw what I wanted to draw. Everything just still looked like like a second grader drew it, like a second grader who was taught how to draw drew it. <laughs> it. It just like I was like, man, what the hell am I doing, dude? Like this is this is so hard. It's not like photography where you just pick up a camera and shoot, and then like you throw some preset on it, and bam, it looks good. You know, it's like this is different. Like instead of taking the picture, you're creating the picture. Right. So did summer school too. And then, um, took school in fall. I think it was about, I'm going to be honest. I think it was from the beginning of 2019 all the way till I'd say September of last year, 2020, like all that time, I just couldn't draw what I wanted. It was just so like, Ugh, what the hell what is this and now now like after two years of drawing i'm finally at that point where i'm like you know this is actually kind of cool or like it doesn't look half bad yeah. you know things are actually starting to make sense and it was just it's just crazy because like it's just two years of me drawing what the hell like drawing poop to get to this point and now it's like starting to look like something it's just it's so much harder than drawing, dude. I mean, no, it's so much harder than photography. Photography is just so easy to get into versus this. So, like, yeah, I'm trying to transfer into Art Center in Pasadena, which is, like, I think one of the top top colleges out there. There's Cal Arts hmm. um, and Laguna College of Design. 
and then there's the one in Pasadena, and that's the one I'm trying to get into. Uh, I'm hoping to get into there maybe like spring of 2022 because I think uh, fall registration is too late now. Um, but definitely the end goal for that is to work at Riot Games where they make games like League of Legends or Valorant, you know, like those type of games. Yeah. I, I really like it because like the universe that they have it's just so cool the lore the art style the characters like the world all about it it's just it's just so cool and the craziest thing was actually um when i was first getting interested in the art i didn't realize how much an artist can make and that's what actually also had me motivated because when i was in junior high school i was like man i don't want to be an artist it's I'm going to end up like, you know, Squidward from Spongebob, you know, like <laughs> being this guy who can't sell his paintings and whatnot. Mm. I didn't even realize until recently that literally there's art in everything, whether it's packaging, whether it's in movies, games, um, even like flyers, you know, like there's art in literally everything. So you can, you can make money with like doing whatever the fuck art you want. You could draw birds all day and you could make a fucking nice stable living off of drawing birds all day. It's the craziest shit. And uh, let's see, I, I checked how much a concept artist at Riot Games makes and starting position is, I think about sixty eight seventy thousand $70,000. And then senior position, which is like five years later, I think it's about a hundred, a hundred K. And that doesn't include the prints that you can make and sell on the side on your own, whether it's at conventions or just purely online. And like um, a lot of artists have been using Patreon. If you make really good art and people really love your art, you can, you know, like have your little own version of school on Patreon or show people your process files or give them like the full res pictures and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. there's so many artists out there that are making at least 100k a year purely just from patreon Fuck. which is crazy like that itself just doing art that you love and then having people support you on the side you can make a living off of that you don't even have to work on a movie you don't even have to like work on a book that like the, the producer or the director wants it's like you're actually doing what you want and people are supporting you for it it's the craziest thing so there's so many avenues that you can go down down in terms of art. And then like, there's a lot of opportunities to make a nice stable living. So when I first told my mom, hey mom, I want to be an artist. She was like, what the hell? Say that again. You know? And I said, I want to be an artist. And she's like, you're fucking with me. And I'm like, no, like that ass. And she's like, why? Why do you want to be an artist? Like you were just working with Larry. You, everything was so stable. How come now you want to be an artist when you're at this point in your life? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I got tired of, you know, shooting pictures and stuff. I, I really want to do art. And then eventually I told her how much an artist makes. And she was like in full support after that. Yeah. Get that paper. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't even know it was that much. <clears throat> it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's definitely a lot of hard work, though, for sure. It's not that easy because considering doing art has a really cheap, cheap cost of like starting. Mm -hmm. It's like the overall 
market could potentially be oversaturated because if you want to start art you just you just get a pen and paper and that's like what two bucks and then just start drawing from there versus like if you want to start taking pictures professionally you know you're gonna need at least like a decent quality $800 camera or uh, that captures you know decent dynamic range and does all the things well that initial investment is like way less yeah just pen and paper there you go yeah so um it can get kind of competitive but actually it turns out that there's not enough artists in the industry and that actually goes the same for photographers Hmm. um like with photography you may see a lot of people just shooting cars on instagram and whatnot but like they're just making money here and there or the you know it's purely private shoots but in terms of actual professional like in the industry shooting for companies and stuff there's just not enough photographers out there i mean even larry told me he's like i've had to turn down so many jobs because i just can't accept enough of them i mean i i can't accept any more because i already have too much on my plate like there's so many available gigs out there for you to be able to make a stable living off of. And that goes the same for art too, because, you know, like you may see a lot of people showing their art on Instagram or whatever, but they're probably not at that stage where they really want to push it full time. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, Oh, I, I made a drawing. Here's where I'm at. Or like a lot of people are at that stage where it's like, it's almost there in terms of being decent, but it's not yet decent it's like eh, you know so i mean it's definitely a lot of opportunities out there yeah it seems like they'd be like endless because you can take it in any direction like yours is more i would say more like animated yeah but like you know animation has such a big following like if you were to switch up to like real realistic stuff like that has another crazy big following if you could do like multiple styles like if you just become like a master at everything you could you know million dollars on patreon man (laughs) yeah dude like um if you definitely want to work in the industry you have to be able to change your style on the go no matter what because you know every film has a different style every game has a different style you know you you look at let's say spider-man into the spider-verse you know like how that has a very specific art style Mm -hmm. and then let's say you look at like um ratatouille or something like that's a different type of style too Mm. and then you look into like call of duty bam it's a whole different style you know and if you're like shifting through studios or doing a lot of freelance work, um, definitely you have to be able to switch up your style to work with what you're presented with. Yeah, yeah it's man. pretty interesting. I, I mean, I just have like nothing but props to you because, like I was telling you, like I'm trying to trying to get into it. I got this uh, this pad, the Wacom Wacom pad. Mm-hmm. Well, my lady got it for me. I've used it maybe like once or twice, but it's super intimidating. Like, yeah, I, I thought I was like, oh, it's going to be easy. Like I could just trace whatever I drew on top of it, but it's not the same. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard because um, especially when you start a new document or whatever, it's like a white blank white canvas, and you're like, mm. "What the fuck do I do? What what do I do? Mm. It's blank. I don't even know what to do." Yeah. Um, usually, what I do, I have a separate account, or I guess the account that I post art on. I follow a ton of artists, and it's always like a constant flow of like tons of inspiration and. You know, there's times when I'm like, ooh, I want to draw something like this or I want to draw something like this, but maybe slightly different. Mm. And then um, there's times when I'm just like, you know what? I just need to like practice. So I'll just pull up some picture I think is super cool, whether it's like a fashion picture of like someone's clothing or picture of a car. And then I'll just like, I'll just draw. I'll just copy it, you know, but like yeah, it helps you study because that's pretty much how you study as an artist is like, you look at a bunch of reference pictures and then like you just try to make what you can with what you see. So, I mean, it's definitely, definitely intimidating for sure to start, but after taking a bunch of art classes, um, it has helped me figure out like how to just like start, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, it's I'm looking interesting. at your video right now of like your process of this uh this BMW. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning it does not look like a BMW yeah, at all. That's so cool. That's the cool thing with digital art is that you can constantly just like change things to make it work for you. Because you know, when you're when you're doing traditional art, uh when you're drawing it with like a pen paper, it's like or like a pencil you have to erase it and then like draw it again and hope it looks good and then like oh it, the perspective's off whatever and then you erase it again and then like mm. you redo it and like with digital art i just cut the pieces i want i change it up so it looks like it fits in that current perspective or whatever or, mm. or like the scale looks good and then continue off of there you know it's pretty simple yeah it's so dope i've been watching it on like a loop for like maybe like five times now <laughs> yeah dude it's 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 really interesting because you know there's those people who do those real like super realistic type of digital paintings where usually it's like a portrait mm-hmm. and it just looks so real it's like there's no way that's a that's a painting that's got to be a picture yeah. and then you you look at their time lapse and it, it's it's crazy because it starts off as like really simple lines or maybe blobs mm-hmm. blobs of color and then eventually like it just molds into this face or um body and then it just once they get that down and they get all like the color blocking and making sure all the the anatomy is correct and everything like that then they put in the lighting and then they start adding the details and textures it's just crazy how like it all started from blobs of color and now it just became to this like super realistic looking piece of art it's so wild like what's that what's that dude's um name the Kyoza or the uh, um, Kaisel Salim. Yeah, that guy. That guy's work is insane. There's some where I'm like, that's a, that's not real. Like that shit looks real. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like so that you can tell. Like it's super. You know, it's conceptual. But mm-hmm. there's somewhere. Shit, man. It's like that looks real. That's insane. Yeah, that that stuff is crazy. So. That itself is not digital painting or anything. That's just 3D rendering. Mm. So it's it's very different because 
with 3D, you can basically capture multiple angles of a certain object, and you can end up with like five or 10, 20 different pictures all within like 20 minutes of re rendering versus like with digital art, it's you you basically, if I'm drawing a car at this angle, it's going to stay at this angle. And then if I wanted, if I want to get another picture of it at a different angle, then I got to draw it up again. Oh, uh, okay. I see what you mean now. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, with 3d, it's definitely, it's really cool because you can get good, uh, good pictures like really quick mm -hmm. because um, 3D, I would say, is probably a lot easier to start off learning considering you don't have to know how to draw. Like you don't have to know how to draw with your hands or anything. Mm. Yeah, you're just um, playing with a bunch of polygons and vertices and stuff like that. And then um, once you get what you like, then you render out the picture, which then ends up giving it that realistic look, that realistic flair. Mm. Um, I took a couple of 3D classes because I, I thought about doing it myself too, but like there's just completely different feelings when you look at a 3D render versus like a digital painting and stuff like that. Yeah, man. That's so, I mean, shit, it's crazy. Like you said, man, there's art for artists and everything. Really yeah, like art one that is definitely you everything that you did with the uh, it's like a Sylvia next to a Karen uh, like the dispenser machines <laughs> yeah That's that was that was when I first started posting because I think that was like a year after learning how to draw mm. and I definitely want to do like a remake of that one probably down the line maybe like next year or something when I'm like way better because I really like that idea I like for in terms of Instagram I really want to do this like series where I get like a picture of like a drawing of the car mm -hmm. but then like some type of character next to it that like matches with that car in a way it like complements it as if like that could be the owner of the car mm. I think like some series like that would be pretty cool that'd be dope it's just it's just a matter of time because right now I think like if I were to do a character with a car it takes me about seven to eight hours to do. Shit. But I mean over time you know once you start doing that more I could probably get it down to like two to three hours. Yeah. So do you start like this one for example it looks more like a like a pastel painting. Do you start this one like as a sketch too? Or do you just do brush strokes? Um, see what happens. The one with the the vending yeah. machine. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I think I started off. Okay, I was at the time I was trying to learn how to like paint, paint. Mm. So I started off just like putting blobs down, and then eventually um, made it more refined. Yeah, it looks like actual, like, something on a canvas. That looks cool. It looks textured. Yeah, it has That's that textured look. For. Yeah. I want to use this because I made a I made an Instagram for this podcast. I'm going to, I want you, can, I, can you send me this so I can put this, like, for your little, like, promo picture? Like, I'll check out, you know, 
Junior Sang's podcast because I really like this one. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll send you it. Damn, man. That's so cool, dude. I can't wait to see what y- what else you get up to because if you're going – if you're looking to go back to school next year, like you basically got a whole year to get like more creative before you get busy again with school. So I can't wait to see what you get up to, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, I'll I'll be starting I'll be starting spring semester at community college uh, in February twenty second. So once that hits, dude, I want to be yeah super busy. So I think I'm taking five different classes for art. Oh shit! And then I have to build my portfolio in the summer so I can submit it in fall. Hopefully, so I can get into the school in spring of next year busy busy yeah it's definitely gonna be hectic and then um for art school it'll take about two years if i don't take if i also go to school in the summer Mm -hmm. uh it's really expensive like overall that school you'll be done in two years if everything is done in a timely manner if you're doing everything you should um but it's twenty thousand dollars per term and it's like split into quarters. So one whole year where it's like fall, winter, spring, summer is $80,000. God damn. That's great. Yeah. So like with two years, that's 160000 So, I mean, I'm hoping that I get financial aid on that. I'm pretty sure I will because I already get financial aid for community college. And mm-hmm. when I went to UCI, but like, yeah, I'm really hoping that I don't have to pay that $160,000. That's a lot. That is a lot. I don't know if this is like, personal question you definitely don't have to answer it but Mm -hmm. do you do all the financial aid forms yourself um let me see i and like oh yeah yeah i i fill it out all by myself but like um you know the the part that like where my mom needs to fill out then she'll fill it out too yeah so currently it's just like me living with my mom and like with her being a single mother and then like me being an only child, uh, it's, a, it's allowed us to get like usually the most amount of financial aid possible. Right. So like um, my first year at UCI, I actually had it like 100% covered for me. Mm-hmm. I just had to pay for the dorming. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully considering that i started getting financial aid in 2017 hopefully like even till now i can still qualify for it when i transfer to the art school because i don't know what the i don't know what the time limit is or like how long you can have it for well yeah. if you have any if you have any i mean i personally i don't have any experience in this but this is what um what stephanie my girlfriend this is what she does like she did this for her job like filling out mm-hmm. filling out for financial aid and basically getting kids who needed it the most the most possible like the 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 most either grants or scholarships or so I guess if you needed help that's what I was trying to get to if you needed help because eighty thousand is like a lot like shit if you have to pay some of that out of pocket that's a lot of money yeah if you need help let me know and I'll I'll get you like linked up with her and shit maybe we could squeeze the most out of it man. Ooh, yeah dude thank you thank you yeah. yeah i'll probably i'll definitely consider it depending on um whether it's this year or next year yeah yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, she 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 gets the help. You know, people. You know, she she did it at um at a, at a high school. Like that was her job as a high school college counselor. Mm -hmm. Basically, getting all the kids, and you know, we've helped out some families, family members, and friends, family mm -hmm. friends, and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you need any help with that, let me know. I'll get you guys in contact. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. But um, yeah, man. I know it's where we are right now. We're getting to two hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm, dude. I'm telling you, these things you get. You just have a conversation, man, and then you next thing you know, it's like two, three hours. <laughs> yeah but this has been cool dude i mean it was cool to pick your brain and kind of hear your how you started and how it's going and what the plans are like that's pretty dope i like to do that i like to like get on these calls with like you know friends and pick people's brains as a creative like getting to know like other creatives thought process and stuff like that has been pretty cool and plus, like, who do you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who you... <laughs> I, per I personally am using this as, like, a big-time excuse to just catch up with friends, like, more in a conversational way rather than, like, texting for, like, a whole day back and forth, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, especially because you live so far away from all of us now. Oh, I know. Shit. But... You know, we got to make do with what we, what we have, you know? Yeah. But next time you come up here, let me know, because I want to do some stuff up here. I want to go see some cars. I'm down to go to Washington. Like, it's not far at all for me. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely trying to plan another trip to go up there sometime, because it was really fun last time. I just wish we had more time. Yeah. Time is one thing we need more of, huh? Yeah. 25 hours in a day. Not enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Damn. Time, man. Yeah, but if you come up next time, I mean, I'm working on putting together a little car myself. A little something mm -hmm. cool to cruise around in. So I'm definitely down to join you. If you come up with some homies or by yourself, we'll go cruising for sure. Sick. Yeah, dude. I'm so down for that because I only got to pass through Oregon. I didn't really get to see a lot of it. What I do, what I did take away, what I, like what what I did take away from that trip when I passed through Oregon was that, at least a part that where I was at, Oregon is really flat driveways, very low friendly. Yeah, dude, it's these roads over here are great. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, I'm going, wow, that's nice. I'm going 300% static on the ground. I've yeah, already, I've already you, raised everything above the frame. We're good to go. I'm waiting for my wheels. Waiting for me. Excited. Excited. Yeah. The, the, the cool thing is that you could go static there. Like going static here, man, it's like I'm just going to break my lip, break my frame, break my bumper, <laughs> crack my oil pan. You know, I mean, been there, done that. Been there, done that. Shit, man. Yeah. I've learned my lesson. That's why this time I, I picked up a daily and then I, I daily my truck and then I kind of work on, on my, my car on the side. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to like raise a bunch of stuff up over the past couple months because I picked it up in the summer. And I'm nice. almost getting ready to put it together. I've kind of just been throwing away some parts. But yeah, 
by springtime, I'll definitely be cruising around. Because, yeah, I'm going to take it on a drive up to Washington as soon as, you know, because over there it's pretty, like, snowy where my, my buddy's at up there. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, in spring we have a barbecue once all the snow kind of goes away. And I was like, oh, I want to have something cool, whatever my thing is done by then, and I'll drive up. Washington is, yeah, pretty interesting. Very, It's usually smooth, except for Seattle. Yeah. Seattle, like main, main city Seattle, it's got some pretty non-low-friendly parts for mm-hmm. sure. I haven't been to Seattle yet. I want to go. Well, we actually want to go on a weekend because um, the closest Daiso is in Seattle. So I want to mm. go get some stuff from Daiso because I like shopping there. That is far. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like close anymore for me. Nothing is close anymore. Like, I'm so, we were so spoiled in California to have like 10 of everything in every city. Yeah. Like, Damn. shit, man. If I want to go to Daiso, I got to drive like six hours. That is crazy. But I want to go to Daiso is the point. <laughs> Dude, if it's okay, if it's like six hours there and six hours back, bro, you might as well just fly to Japan. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we've been making trips out of things. Like, so we went to Washington and we went to Spokane, which is like northeast Washington. Like close mm-hmm. to close to um, closer to Idaho, uh-huh. and that was like seven hours. And I was like, you know what? We're gonna I'm gonna go shoot this car. I'm gonna shoot my buddy's car up here. And there's no way I'm gonna make 14 hours of driving in one day. So we made a weekend out of it. We spent the night at some hotel that like got snowed in, snowed on the the overnight, and the next day was fucking beautiful, dude. Like snow everywhere i've never really driven around in the snow like that in a city usually you have mm-hmm. to go up to like big bear or arrowhead oh uh, yeah it's just like a mountain area but this was like a city that was still like functional because you know shit, it snows over there all the time you can't just shut it down that is cool that yeah cool so yeah man fingers crossed on I'm, i might go to the snow on sunday might take my truck out over here, go hit some little snow trails. Yeah, I've been wanting to hit up the snow recently too, but like, uh, I, so I live right by Mount Baldy, uh-huh. and uh, every time it snows up there, there's just so much traffic. It's like I think an hour and a half just to get up to the top, mm-hmm. and then there's just like people getting stuck on the way down, and like <laughs> it's just such a Oh, such a hassle. I haven't yeah. I haven't gotten the snow yet this year because of that. Have you um what do you what are you driving right now? You have the S two thousand and that's it? Yeah, I just drive the S two thousand. Gotta get a truck, bro. I would get a truck, but man, dude, gas prices here are not truck friendly. Yeah, I heard they Mm-mm. just went up like this week by like forty or sixty cents or something like that. If if I don't go to Costco, I think it's like Three seventy to four dollars for ninety one. What? It's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, you know, with me being college student, still broke. I don't. I can't really afford a second car. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like? Um. How do you like daily in the S two thousand? I really, I really enjoy it for sure. Like, 
I've been able to go everywhere because my girlfriend, she just recently started going to school at UC San Diego. Mm. So every time I go down to Syria, I I take the S2000 and it's pretty comfortable. You know, it's not like crazy stiff and it's not like stupid low. So where I scrape on everything Mm. and really mild on the camber, I would honestly say it has like no camber, which is like negative three. Because I'm used to seeing like negative seven, negative eight degrees of camber like that. That's like what's normal to me in terms of like stance is like hell like decent camber with like stretched tires and stiff suspension or bags but like with the SDK it's like no stretch barely any camber and like not crazy stiff suspension and it's just it's been so nice just so nice such a good uh combination of function and form yeah the tires fit the car well and the wheels aren't crazy wide yeah you almost do have like no camber yeah it's it like honestly it feels non-existent i mean especially because being surrounded by like stance nation shooting for stance nation stuff like that it's like Mm. when you see a car with zero degrees camber it looks positive to me yeah it's just like what the hell you know yeah so this is like really tame right now until i get another car then uh, i don't know if i'm going to transform this car or the other car into like more of a stance car but i mean it's it's nice not having stretch and camber because like i had a nail in my tire a couple months ago and it just like deflated a bit and i was able to drive it and go to the gas station fill it up and then like go to the tire shop get it patched and then it deflates like once every three weeks or whatever and i just i just like put more air into it and stuff but like if it was if it had camber and it had stretch if that thing dipped to 25 psi or like 20 psi i would db like right then and there yeah you know straight that's a straight db for sure yeah so like it's just it's nice just having little camber with no stretch it's like oh my tire is low let me just fill it up instead of like oh shit my tire is low i'm gonna db Mm because i've 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 had that situation happen like a couple times i think like three times which also happened on the s2k when i first got it too um i db'd i think i was on a i had a 215 on a nine and a half with like negative six degrees of camber so which is like still pretty mild in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, I had a nail in the tire and it dipped to like 15, 20 PSI. And then all of a sudden debated. Bam. Completely ruined my quarter panel and everything. Shit. And it was like the weekend before I was going to go take it in for paint. So not only did I have to paint the front end of my car, but I also had to paint and get the body work done on the rear quarter panel because the tire just completely just messed up the whole rear end yeah it's crazy Shit. yeah good thing it happened before paint yeah definitely like with the s14 if that happened I, I really wouldn't care it's you know it's cheap s14 whatever but like this sdk it's like i'm trying so hard to kind of keep it pristine mm. especially because it's like a newer car with a higher price point it's like yeah yeah keep keep that resale value yeah for know, sure as much as much as we can i know what i got 
Yeah, funny enough, guys, I sold the S14 for like four grand with the bag setup and everything, like as is. But um, I mean, I'm looking at the prices now for S14s and S13s, and they're like shooting up to like six, seven grand. Even like the shitty ones are selling for six grand, seven grand. Yeah, man. I've seen in the group chat with some buddies of mine, they're always posting like, you know, oh, someone get this, someone get this. And I'm like, what? No way, dude. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy though because like i mean i'm just glad it's not like a toyota supra like um mark 4 supra uh, a mark 4 supra that doesn't run and is in like decent probably semi beat up condition is like 40 grand 30 40 grand yeah like a shell actually is like 30 grand 20 30 grand for a shell it's crazy it's like well, I, I'm, I'm gonna spend 30 grand for a car that doesn't work versus like i could use that 30 grand on like a gt86 or something nah. yeah or a wrx yeah it's crazy i've seen yeah i've seen i don't know if you follow um that japanese classics page these imports mm-hmm. yeah but some of the prices on some of the cars i'm like wow that's crazy who's buying these when it's a land cruiser i can like i can understand it you know land cruisers we didn't get a lot of them Mm-hmm. You know, they're like 15 to Those 20, things are 000. so sick. Yeah. yeah. They're so sick. And they're diesel. So it's like, you know, you're getting, you get what you pay for type of thing for the most part. Some are diesel, some are gas. Mm-hmm. But man, some of these prices on some cars, like for instance, let's see right here, there's a 92 Aristo, which is like first generation GS. This is mm-hmm. automatic. It, it does have two JZ GTE. But they want like fourteen thousand. It's like whoa. whoa. Still, still. <sighs> At that point, I just bring it in myself. Yeah, or not only that, just probably get like a newer car. <laughs> yeah, newer car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. But yeah, some prices now I can't believe it. Like I'd love to get something cool like that, but now I know. Like I've met people that. I can definitely bring something in myself. I, I have no problems with that. I'll, I'll pick something and have it shipped and pick it up myself from the dock out here. Before I spend 14 grand on the first gen. <laughs> right. Yeah. So odd. That's crazy. That is a but lot. They, but that's, it's that's, all that's supply and demand. Yeah. It's the name of the game right now. There's a lot of people getting into these imports, it seems now. Like, especially after seeing a couple and some couple of like modified cars and some music videos and it seems like they're in as just in the background of regular like marketing ads and things like it seems you know we're out here you know import mm-hmm. import cars we're out here for sure getting that tax find something cheap hello tax yeah, my advice is buy buy things from old people buy cars. yeah there's this um, A86 uh, coupe that is like sitting in the backyard close to my girlfriend's house. And it's actually been sitting there since I met my girlfriend back in like seventh grade. So I've seen it there since seventh grade, which is like almost 10 years i'd say like seven years ago yeah 
and it's still there and there's just like a part of me that just wants to ask like hey like are you guys ever gonna sell this car because i'll totally buy it off of you for like 200 bucks or something it's like pristine white a86 coupe but it has been outside and i'm pretty sure there's like a whole ecosystem inside that that car right now like squirrels and bugs and spiders and all that shit but it is tempting definitely is tempting i would suggest to just go and ask because i got a free car like that so you never really yeah oh yeah you just never know some people just like ah yeah i was gonna fix it but i kind of just never got to it you can have it if you want that's what that's literally the situation I, I was in and i was like yeah i'll take it for sure <laughs> wow so you never know man you never was it know from an old person know. yes yeah this is so nice i mean like if i was old i'd probably be like yeah you know i'll take it i don't care i'm old <laughs> what was crazy is they were saying i asked them and they said yeah you know actually we were gonna um take it to the junkyard and get it scrapped tomorrow and i was like no no no, i'll take it right now like don't do that i'll take it oh. i like went home grab grab well i came to my house i called my friend over here and i was like hey can i borrow your truck for like a little bit like can you help me pull this car to my house because i don't want it to to get towed and we like strapped up the front threw some like spare wheels on it and I got myself like a 72 Toyota Corona Mark II. What? Yeah, from the original owner. What? Oh, yeah. dude. That I got is. Crazy. I got the papers. That is I was crazy. Like, What's crazy is they were going to scrap it. That's the <laughs> What the fuck? They were just going to uh, scrap it, dude. I was like, no, don't do that. You don't know, you don't know what this is. I, well, the late the the lady she bought it. That was like her little sports car back in the day, you know. Yeah. And she just hadn't it been parked since she told me since uh, nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Yeah, it's just been parked, and it definitely did have an ecosystem. But since we've got it, I've kind of cleaned it up a bit. I pulled the engine out, so I'm I I got a. Toyota 18R, um, the whole manual book thing. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm taking it apart and replacing some stuff and getting it going. And we're going to see what happens. Hopefully it turns over. It almost started just with a little cleaning up after sitting for, what is it, 20, 21 years? I almost got what it to start. The but it was just the, the block was because of corrosion. And because it's carburetor, yeah. all the water and moisture went down the carburetor and just like rested up the inside, like the intake uh, and the exhaust in it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking might might be wrong with the the Corolla too. Wait, so they had Corona Mark IIs here in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Look it up. It's uh, I don't know if you're on, on your desktop, but it's uh, 72 Corona Mark II. And, yeah. Uh, and the coupe, not the hatchback. I see it. It looks crazy. I mean, they're a little ugly in stock form, but I've seen some uh, just lowered with some pretty wide, you know, 14 by 9 type of thing. Yeah, not that. They look pretty sick. Like, dude, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I, I got it and I gave it to my lady because she likes the old cars too. Uh huh. 
and I basically owe her a car after getting rid of my Cressida. So, because mm-hmm. she really liked that one. So, that's a restoration project, but that's for her. It's for me, but it's for her. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, when that thing's done, it's going to be sick. Just kind of cruising that little Wait. thing around. So, so how, how'd you do it? Did you just, like, ring the doorbell and be like, hi, I see this car here. Can I buy it off of you? No. So, they were having, um, they were having like, a big, like, moving yard sale type of thing. Oh. Uh-huh. And I had, I had no idea that they had owned that car. Cause I had, I, it was kind of like soon after we moved over here and, um, I, when we moved, I had noticed this car cause it's down, like it's in my, it's in the city we live in. And I had noticed it when we were just walking around and I was like, Oh, like, I wonder if they'll ever sell that car. Like, you know, I'll give them, like you said, I'll offer them like 500 bucks and see what they say. Yeah. And, um, I basically just never did anything. That was kind of like your situation. Like just saw it every day and like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder. And then I saw that they were having this um, moving yard sale type type of thing. And um, I just went up to them and we bought some things at the yard sale. Like just some small like little house things. Because they were selling stuff for cheap. They were just trying to get rid of stuff like that. You see that poster of like the frame of Japan? Like, Yeah. It's like made out of like paper mache. It's like a 3D picture. Oh, Yeah, it's cool. pretty cool. But they were like, yeah, it's a quarter. And I was like, okay. What? Yeah, I just bought a bunch of stuff from them, like just a bunch wow. of stuff. But um, yeah, I had when I was paying, I was like, "Hey, do you guys know who owns that car that's next door?" And then they're like, "Oh yeah, like that's my that's their mom's car, the mom's car." And she was like, telling me about it, and she was like, "Oh, like what do you know about these?" I was like, "All right, I just like old Toyotas, and you know, every time I see one, I want to get it." I was like, I'm wondering if you guys would sell it. And that's when they told me, oh, we were actually going to scrap it tomorrow. If you want it, you can have it, but you have to take it today. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, hold the phone, called my friend. I said, I need to borrow your truck. Can you bring your tow strap? And we took it out of where it was had been sitting for like 20 years and made sure that nothing was seized up and the brakes worked. And we pulled it down to my house. That is crazy. That is yeah. so sick. But yeah, man, you got to ask. You got to ask now. And then you got to let me know what happens. Shit. I'm scared. It's scary. It's like, like, I knock on the door and they're like, hey, what do you want? And I'm like, uh, uh, sorry, sir. Sorry to bother you. I was wondering if you're going to sell this car. You know, like as I'm shaking and stuff and, and they like stare at me with a grumpy old face. Yeah, it's, like, it's scary. Bro. Or super nice old people. Oh, that's true. Or super nice old people. The, the house looks, it it looks like, um, it's not like a great looking house. It looks kind of like old and slightly like run down from the weather. Mm. So it's like, Hmm. So, is it a, a hoarder house? Uh, I don't know, but it looks it looks like a a one story haunted house. Uh, <laughs> That's how I could describe it: a one story haunted house built in like the forties or the twenties or something. Oh shit! Yeah, I say just not, just do it. You got to yeah, do me dude, a favor I, now. Shit! Ho- hopefully, it's still there. I haven't checked that area. Worst thing they could say is no, and then you'll know. It wasn't for sale. That's true. 
But, That's yeah. true. Well, hey, man, I'm going to have to end it on this note because I have to use the restroom. Sounds good. Sounds good. But, um, yeah, man, this was, this, was, uh, this was fun, for real. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And um, I guess real quick, if you want to shout out your pages, shout out your websites, all your links, if you want to throw them out there, the floor is yours again. Let's see. Um, I like to shout out my brand, misunderstood.jp. Um, that's like a brand that I um, have for clothing. There hasn't been too much activity on it lately because I've just been so busy with school. But it's definitely like something that I want to continue to work on, keep it as like a nice, fun side project. And um, I don't think I'll shout out the art page just yet because I don't think it's at that point. Mm. But, you know, yeah, it, you know, if, if you want to check it out, um, I do art at Junsang underscore. I think it's Junsang underscore. So it's similar to my current Instagram, JRSang underscore. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it's pretty much it. Yeah. Dope, man. Well yeah. Everyone go check out that June Sing. Run that page. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, man. No worries. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on, man. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me on. It was it was pretty fun. Like, dude, two hours went by so quick. I didn't even know it was already two hours. You don't even notice it. <laughs> Felt like it was thirty minutes. <laughs> it has been thirty minutes, man. We're in a time warp. Uh, that's true. But sure. all right, man. But um, I'll let you go, and we'll do this again next time if you want another time. Yeah, for sure. It'll definitely be cool to like check on progress and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And we got to do that drawing session. Yes, yes. I'm down. Yeah. Just hit me up, and I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, for man. sure. I'll let you go. All right. Peace out, homie. All right. Take it easy. <laughs>